Hello. How are you today? This is Murphy and Friends. Today, I'm going to take you down memory lane. This is especially true for those who are 60 and over. And I like the over. I'm going to talk about when I was a little girl. I lived brought up in the Bronx in an apartment building that I thought was nice, always clean, run by coal, which now we know is a dirty word. And I remember the man who used to get the coal and shovel it down the stairs into the burner. Their last name was Martin. And Miss Martin would sit out in front of the building. And in the summertime, nice days, everybody sat in front of the building. We lived on the first floor and you walk up a flight and you go towards the back and that was apartment six. Apartment six had a toilet that faced the door, the front door. And we had a tub and a toilet. And the toilet you flush from above. That's how that was done. And then the kitchen. The kitchen had a refrigerator, a stove, but the refrigerator is something you rarely see at all. Had this little freezer, enough for ice trays. So when one went shopping, one wanted meat, they would keep it for two days in the right next to the ice tray. And that was growing up in the Bronx. And everybody was apartment like that. And I just thought it was a great apartment. And my parents paid $34 rent a month. To me, that was a lot of money. And to them too. And we had three different types of clothes. One for Sunday church or Saturday synagogue. One was for play. And one was for school. And when you came home, you took your school clothes off and you changed into your play clothes, which was a t-shirt and dungarees, something that you've worn before, but it's gotten too small. And you had a clothesline. And it's always been a mystery to me. Maybe somebody will write me and tell me how clotheslines were gotten up because it was, you, it was, put on one side of the building and then you would go to the other side and maybe I could figure out the first floor but how about the fifth floor and everybody had clothesline that clothesline was very important because when it got old and looked like it was in frame looked like it was going to fall apart you used it for jump rope and we'll get back to that because jump rope was very important And everything was done outside in front of the door. And we would mosey on to the candy store. And the candy store was wonderful. You would put your hand in, you get your candy or your cookie. And nobody ever said, wash your hands. Maybe if you're coming in for the day, but not wash your hands because you're putting it in where cookies are and it's dangerous. And cookies and candy were a penny apiece. And they had the ice box that kept sodas cold. 
And when you looked up, there was this beautiful ceiling, which you can find in some stores where they've redone it. But the tile was just incredibly done. And no one thought of that, that they would take it away. You'd never see it again. Your children nor my children have seen it unless they go somewhere in a village or some sort of a restaurant where it's done over and they've, they've gotten those tiles. But that was quite common. And then there was Mr. The Lawson Brothers grocery stores and you would go in and get a pickle. Nobody said, are your hands washed? You had a thong which you got the pickle with, and it was a nickel, and you went out. And the pickles were great. And close to it, not right over it, there was a fly squat where the flies would get on it and couldn't get off. We don't see that anymore. If we did, we would be horrified. I don't remember anyone saying that a child got sick or anything like that from the way stores were done, the candy stores, which was Mr. George, and everyone had a title. Every, no, no child called an adult by their first name, unless you put a Miss or Missy, Mr. on it. Well, that's one way. And then there was a meat store next to us, and you bought your meat depending on what kind of refrigerator you had, almost every day. And he sold chickens, pork chops, and steaks, and, and it was daily. So you can understand that it wasn't expensive in our terms because people paid $34 for a two-bedroom apartment. And I thought if we ever paid $50, we would be in a mansion. So... in the apartment building where there was an alcove downstairs where people could put baby carriages and if it was a rainy day I would go there and play you can put a bicycle there and no one ever thought of stealing it and on a week weekly you would have the bleach man that that was a quarter a big what you would call a gallon and then there was the scissor man who would be outside and people would run and get their scissors sharpened or their knives sharpened. And of course, everyone remembers the milkman. The milkman had milk. And on top of that was cream. And that was some of the best, best milk over cereal. And my grandma, she lived in an apartment directly across from us. And she would cook biscuits with all kinds of things. And she would make a pretty picture for me in the biscuits. That was love. Now, people thought we were smart, but we really weren't smart. Because kids going outside played games. And every game, just about, had a purpose. If you played all in together girls, how you like the weather girls, you have to learn the months of the year because you had to jump out 
on your month. January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. November was me and December. So you, in order to play, you had to know your months. And you had to be agile enough to drop, jump out on your month. Because you couldn't stay in. You couldn't stop anybody else. And we were all agile. And what else did we have? We had jump rope. And you had to count by tens if you played double dutch. So we'll go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 91, 10, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 92. So you had to learn how to count by twos. And then if you wanted to play hide and seek, you had to count by twos. Oh, I'm sorry. I said twos for jump rope. No, tens. Twos for hide and seek. Somebody would be the person they had to look for you. And we played in the street, too. I don't want to tell you. We'd hide behind cars, go down in the alley where the garbage cans were placed. And we would play. And we would say two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty. Ready or not, here I come. I was fast. I rarely got tagged. But it was the same thing with Devil in the Pitchfork. And different people call that game something else. But what you would do, you would get a color. So you might have red, I would have green, and the boy over there would have blue, and somebody would have orange, purple, brown, and they would say, what color? And the base was always near Mr. Lawson's store, and we were we had a distance to run. That was about six buildings. What color? We had to know our colors. And we had to know when they called us. So they would say, knock, knock. Who's there? Devil in the pitchfork flying through the air. What do you want? A color. What color? Green. And green would have to run and touch that pole and run back. I don't think I was ever caught. I was fast, and I didn't know as fast as I was that they were people who earned their living being fast. I just knew that I was kind of good at that. And so we learned our colors. And we played 5, 10, 15, 20. I'm not sure. I can't think right now what game did we play. But I had a lot of of speed and I loved it and uh, we had agility too because you would play jump rope and you had to jump on time that's what it was called on time so one two three four and you had to go all the way around the other person and continue to jump oh we were good at that and parents had to buy food on a daily basis. So there were a lot of grocery stores. And a lot of people owned stores. Like Mr. Hopkins. He owned the cleaners. And you would pass. And if you did anything a child may not like. An adult may not like. They would absolutely tell your parents. 
and Mr. Lawson, the Lawson brothers, owned the grocery stores. And there was a dry goods store. No one knows what that is today. That's when they sell dry things. Ribbons, uh, needles, material, you name it. And they were millinery stores. And different people owned. And at the very southwest corner, there was a drugstore. And I used to look in there and I said, I want that camera. And that time it was a brownie camera. It cost five dollars. So I would save my quarters and dimes up until I got five dollars. And I bought a camera. And my godmother always gave me things. She was very religious. Very religious until it was kind of painful. No one cooked on Sunday. You could eat on Sunday. I don't know what they did the dishes on Sunday. But no one did things like that on Sunday. So what did adults do for fun? Well, they had a lot of fun. My parents were the neighborhood, I don't know, entrepreneurs. I wouldn't say that. But my mother wrote numbers. And I was little enough to pick up numbers from people who played numbers and give them to my mother. Do you know what numbers are? There are three numbers. And it could be one, two, three. That's what came out today. And you could have it combinated three, two, one, two, one, three, three, one, two. So you could have it in a variety of ways. But if it was combinated, it was five cents. And if it was straight, it was a penny. And for a penny, you got $5. To get $5, that was a lot of money when I was little. And people would be very happy. And the Douglases upstairs, they would have, just like you have a receipt from the grocery store, you know how long that is? They would have, I don't know, maybe 25 cents or 50 cents of numbers every day and I would have to go they would knock at the door about 6 in the morning and I would have to go get it from them and give it to mama and you were not allowed to open the door for anyone you didn't know and if somebody rang on the phone you would say who is it and your mother would tell you if it was the wrong kind of person tell them I'm not home and that's what you would do, and you knew you had to do that. And everyone in their house had this thing in their living room where you put up pictures in it on one side, and the middle could be a mirror or a picture of uh, Carter G. Woodson. But you know what I'm talking about. The picture part was like a square, and it had three shelves on both sides and everybody had it now how did, you, how did you get it because a man would come and you would pay down on it a quarter or 50 cents a week and that's how you got it that's how people did everything was paying down there were no such things at least for the people I knew like charge cards and so you had to be careful who was at the door. And if they were the right person, you would say, oh, mommy's home. And if they were not, you would say, mommy's not home. 
my parents were industrious. My mother would make maybe three times a year, have dinners. And you could have a dinner just so you could have a dinner. And you would sell them for a quarter to 50 cents, depending on what you were. I do not make potato salad today because as a little girl, I would have to peel all of those potatoes. They would boil them and I would peel them. And the cheap dinner would be 25 cents, but I guess depending on what kind of meat you were serving, it would be 50 cents. And Mr. Limwick, he worked in a meat factory or store, and he, mother bought steaks from him. I didn't know a steak was all that precious, but it was. And he also taught piano lessons. I wish I had listened because I would love to have played piano today, but I didn't. And I don't think it really had anything for me because at 40, when I started to learn how, I wasn't very good at it. So, but getting back to what my parents did, my father would uh, run the card game. They would put the bed up in my parents' living room, I mean bedroom, put a table there, collapsible table, and they would play cards. They would play cards from maybe 10 o'clock at night till Sunday morning. And Miss Hopkins was there. I could, wish I could remember Mr. Gaines was there. All the people who played, but it'd have to stop on Sunday morning because people had to go to church. That was extremely important. I don't know how important it was because they were partying all weekend long. And as my mother did it over and over again, she would have a tea leaf reader. That's supposed to be a religious person. And they would charge maybe a quarter for this man to read people's future from the tea leaves. I never could kind of believe in it, but my job was to serve the tea. And when I look at it as an adult, I recognize that some of people worked very hard. I never heard of the Bronx slave market until I was a in my adolescence, which was where women went on Freeman Street, 174th Street, uh, uh, West Farms, black women, and they would have to do days work and make hardly anything. And the same was on the number four train also. They write about the number four, but my friend told me about her mother, and her mother was on the number five and the number two line. And I think people just wanted a little something in life. So reading tea was important to them. And I understand they always looked very stern, these women waiting for their tea leaves to be read. And children like myself could not talk. We would just serve. And when that was over, the card game started, and my brother would serve the whiskey because Mama knew after the people got a little tipsy, they would dilute it, and they would they would drink all night and play these games. That was interesting. And since I picked up 
but numbers from people. And if I saw the police, I would run down the alleyway to the back of the building, up the fire escape. There were pipes I could climb up on. Into the house, Mama, Mama, the police are there. And she would flush it down the toilet. Well, at one point, they stopped the water. And they got my mom. And she was taken away in the paddy wagon. Well, Mr. Curtis, he picked up the numbers. He got her out. Did anybody see the Bronx tale? And the way that the rough, tough guy was walking? That's the way Mr. Curtis walked. And when we moved uptown Bronx, we had an Irish fellow pick him up. That's literally how they walked. And it gave me the feeling, oh, gangsters. But who knows? People survived. And the state figured out that people were making money off of numbers. And so they started the lottery. But people couldn't play the lottery like they could play numbers. For a quarter, that's good luck. And then there was something that's called the Green Book or the Salmon Book, <clears throat> where you looked at it every morning and you could figure out what dream did you have. And if you had a dream about children, maybe you were pregnant. Or a dream about a house, maybe you were going to move. And all of these had symbols. And I think we were all racist, but we have to we have to look at the time and the time and I still think it's an issue. Everybody had to find something or someone that they could have under them. So in the daily news they had this uh, figure that supposedly looked like a Chinese person and they call him Ching Chao. And you looked in that and the way he was holding his hand or made his face would tell you the number for the day. But you know that didn't work. And unfortunately, that's what people did. They would look at this, and it was racist. But our Miss Brooks and anybody who's 65 or over saw that picture. I saw a rerun a few years ago, and this was something that was out in the 50s, where she had a really racist name for Asians. And that gave people a laugh. And we all did that, unfortunately. Because in America, you have to have someone you can poop on. Some group of people. No, it wasn't nice. It wasn't fair. And it wasn't something that I am proud of. I used to call part of a group of people. We've all did it. One of the boys, I don't think we called him Sissy, but it was close to that. And so I'm so glad that we stopped that insanity of calling people names. And children learn young because coming from school, think about it, I'm in the second or third grade, and by then you went to school by yourself. You were big enough to go by yourself. And my school was like four blocks away. 
I passed a tombstone church, a place across from that was the church, and it was still there where Rockefeller married the pastor there, and you she would wave to you, and we had to find something lesser than ourselves, and so uh, my class at PS42 in the Bronx, and I hope those who are in their 70s remember that, right, Sylvia? Right, Robin, or Antoinette, or Laverne, or Leslie, or Loretta, Lana. I like Lana. Her name is Lana Turner. Or Naomi, or Dolores, or Anna. Anna LaRue. She had just come from Puerto Rico, and her English was amazing. I can't remember Gonzalez's first name, but you'll know. And an Edenwalk Carol. And so many people that I, I forgot. One boy was named Philip. And he said that he was Annette Fulichetto's cousin. And he would visit her. But we'll talk about that later on Bathgate. Because I think that that was fun. But as young as we were, third grade, we knew who to hate and why we should hate them. We would walk home and say, white people stink. Their hair, they stink. Their hair stinks. And their hair gets lysed, not like ours. And we talk that way. Where do we get it from? We heard it. And when we get angry at children, children hear what adults say. And that's, that's horrible. Because we say the wrong things. I'm coming to a close. And thank you for walking me down memory lane. I'll talk about it later. Thank you. Goodbye.